0: hey y'all it's uh me again so recently um in the news popular singer danny lay or danny lee i think it's danny lay um came under fire for perpetuating what many call um you know anti -anti anti-blackness colorism she made a song and i don't know what the the actual name of the song is But in the song, she, uh, the lyric and the refrain is yellow bone is what he won't yellow bone is what he likes. Um, she's currently dating really popular rapper, um, the baby. And they've been, you know, kind of like, you know, they've been making their rounds in the blogs over the past, probably year and a half, two years over the course of this relationship. Um, mostly because he is, you know, kind of like been back and forth between her And the mother of his children, I think there's two, I think he has two baby mamas. But anyhow, this whole relationship is just kind of like really interesting to watch the dynamics. And so she made this song and people were rightfully and absolutely upset, um, because the song is perpetuating, you know, what we know to be colorism, um, this, this putting light-skinned people and in particular light-skinned women up on a pedestal as, um, the epitome of what beauty is black beauty is supposed to be and so it just really got me thinking because one of the comments I saw in the comment section was you know she knew what she was doing when she did this um like colorism like this discussion about colorism is not new and this discussion and this this you know outrage that many dark-skinned women and many black people feel about dark-skinned people and in particular dark-skinned black women being shoved aside is not new and so when she put out this song and she released this snippet of the song she didn't even actually put out the song she just kind of released a snippet and it was you know via her instagram stories i believe and the shade room got a got a hold of it hollywood unlocked got a hold of it and everything just kind of blew up and went up in fire from there so when she released this snippet of the song you know people were rightfully upset in the comments someone said you know she knew what she was doing um and just just to kind of talk about this um the comment kind of went into a discussion about how she was doing this because she knew like that Danny Lay did this on purpose because she knew people would talk about her um some of the comments started attacking her musical career saying that she's really not that popular she did this to basically put herself at the forefront of everyone's attention to start a conversation just you know because celebrities apparently um you know publicity any publicity whether it be bad or otherwise is still publicity it can still be monetized it can still be capitalized off of and this is essentially what many of the comments were saying is that she did this on purpose and so I started thinking about the idea of bringing up controversial topics on purpose and I think that we live in a culture specifically coming off the heels of Donald Trump's presidency where people think it's okay to say wild ass shit for clicks and views and likes. And um I feel increasingly, and I've actually really thought about taking the direction of this podcast and not even discussing colorism anymore uh, because of my anger behind this. But I think I, I feel like people say colorist things and use colorism, that word, as clickbait. And that's the premise of what I want to talk about today, and that's the premise of this podcast, is that uh, colorism is not clickbait. First and foremost, colorism, by definition, is preference for a lighter skin tone. It is practiced within communities. Um, So when we talk about colorism specifically, and I want to be very clear about this because this is my stance, when we talk about colorism, uh, we're not talking about the plight of light-skinned people being made fun of because they're not dark enough to be considered a black. We are talking about dark-skinned black people systemically being denied opportunities because of their lack of a proximity to whiteness. This is systemic. It's not about people's feelings. Like, I want to be very clear about that. And I don't know where this continues to get misconstrued, but I also think it's really ironic that when we talk about colorism, one of the chief narratives that gets brought up is about light-skinned people getting made fun of because, or getting, you know, they were, the, those dark-skinned girls were jealous of me because my hair was long. I always think that shit is so ironic. When we talk about colorism, we talk about the privileges amongst black people that dark-skinned people don't have and light-skinned people often do have, that light-skinned people's narrative is the one that gets to dominate the conversation about colorism. They're the ones who are given a platform to talk about colorism. I think that shit is highly ironic and I think it further institutes what the actual definition of colorism actually is. It is dark-skinned people systemically being denied opportunities because of their dark skin and being forced to live in a society and a culture that first and foremost preferences white people over everybody, okay, but then also privileges people who have a closer proximity to whiteness we know light-skinned black people are not white we know they are black and within the spectrum of oppression they experience a lot of oppression but also within that spectrum of oppression there is another group of people that is further oppressed and like i said this isn't a competition but because of their lack of because they lack of proximity to whiteness they are put in a position to experience the very brunt of anti-blackness okay because that's what colorism is I was in a room on, on a Clubhouse the other day and this girl really couldn't get it through her mind and through her head. She was like, you know, well, I want to see what colorism is something that we perpetuate amongst ourselves. Colorism is something, is something that we perpetuate amongst ourselves. She could not understand that there is a whole historical, social, and cultural context behind how colorism continues to be perpetuated. And that colorism, because of the history, the very nature of how it came to be and how it continues to exist within our society, she was like, well, I, I don't understand how it's not white people who are uh, who are perpetuating colorism, it's us. And I'm like, yes, in many ways it is us. But also you have to understand that colorism exists under the umbrella of racism, which exists under the umbrella of white supremacy. If you live in a culture that is dominated by white supremacy then absolutely, then absolutely you're going to still experience colorism. like. And she was like really hampered up that we couldn't give her concrete examples of how colorism still affects all of us today. And that shit was like super wild to me and just kind of very disrespectful because I mean, if you look at the history of how colorism has come about and how it continues to exist, like literally when I say colorism is systemic, I am talking about... A preference for lighter-skinned black people, okay? Now let's start there. Let's break this down. Let's go from here. If there is a preference from lighter skin for lighter-skinned black people, and we live in a society and a culture where white people hold all of the power, all of the financial, economic power, all the social capital, they have, like you know, they, we live in a in a in a culture and a society dominated by white supremacy. And there is a preference for people who are able to more easily adapt to that prep or adapt to those ideals those white supremacist ideals, be it your education, be it your appearance, be it the way that you talk, be it where you live, be it, you know, all these different things. What we have to understand is that it is systemic. And so if there is a preference for lighter skinned black people, that means darker skinned people who look like me are passed over for jobs we're passed over for opportunities we do not have the same level of social capital we do not have the same level and access to economic resources when I say this is systemic it is so much more than people's feelings being hurt it's so much more than someone making a song talking about yellow bone is what she uh, is what he wants and then you know getting upset when people rightfully call you out for it like that shit is bullshit like you're perpetuating colorism i don't see there's all these songs about you know there's all these songs about um other skin tones i don't see why i can't make a song for my light-skinned baddies that is literally the whole fucking point that she is missing we see light-skinned black women everywhere when we see black people period on tv they are lighter their hair is looser it is usually curlier it's only been honestly like Cicely Tyson passed away um this week may she rest in power in absolute power and she like when I was growing up even though she was like well before my time well before my mother's time like not even the same generation as my mom like literally will be included in the same generation as my grandmother she was still one of the only, like, dark-skinned women that I've ever seen possess the level of star power that she has. And even she, during her lifetime, has spoken about the fact that she is a darker-skinned woman and has been, you know, passed over multiple times for opportunities because of the fact of her skin tone. And so when we talk about the fact that, like, for Danny Lay to sit there and say, like, well, why come I can't make a song for light-skinned girls... It's honestly because y'all don't really need one. Like, y'all are not shitted on constantly. You're not denied opportunities. You're not pushed aside within your own community, right? Within your own community. Second of all, Danny Leigh is not... Um, like, the, the term yellowbone, first and foremost, is a term that's used by African Americans. Danny Leigh is not an African American. She's not. Um, I think that it's really interesting that for her to even use... To say, like, well, why come I can't make a song for lights? Like, it just shows the ignorance and shows the lack of depth that's there and the lack of respect that's there for the way colorism functions. And I really, really absolutely think this is because people do not truly understand what colorism is. It's not your feelings, bro. It's not not the way that you feel. It is literally systemic oppression against dark-skinned people. When we look at the way that this preference for lighter skin words to go back to like that word systemic i really want to hammer in there because i really want people to understand this is just it's systemic it is systemic i really want to hamper in on that and really just like focus on that because when we focus on that and you start to understand it from that perspective you understand that it isn't just people's feelings we're talking about concrete ways in which darker skinned black people are pushed aside and basically, dis, you know, disregarded and discarded of. It's not, um, this, this, there's this really great article on Refinery29, which is one of my favorite websites, um, by Jazz, is, I think it's Jace Lee Molina. She's a black Latina. And she wrote this article that basically says, like, Dear Danny Lay, a skin anthem is not needed. Uh, and this article is amazing. She really breaks down. Why it's so problematic that she would even think that this type of shit is necessary. Um, it's it's you know I if you guys get a chance you should definitely check it out. But I also want to talk about the fact that um, it's you know it's documented. First and foremost, when we talk about colorism, and I brought this up in this in this clubhouse room that I was in a couple of days ago, I was like you know first and foremost. When you hamper on the fact that this is... That colorism is systemic. It's a systemic issue. Um, Light-skinned people, in particular light-skinned women, they face fewer microaggressions at work. They are statistically earning higher salaries than their darker counterparts. They are deemed as more attractive and you can see this i mean it's all over the media all over the media they're favored within the mainstream media if we're talking about black women lighter women are almost always favored within the mainstream media and within society they always have opportunities to be first they always have opportunities to essentially have the platform for and speak on behalf of black people which is always interesting to me because my thing is this is like the stage shouldn't just be dominated by black, by light skinned black women. The stage should include the full spectrum of black people because that's the thing about black people. We don't all look the fucking same. We don't. And we would be, we would disservice ourselves to say that the experiences, that our experiences as black people are all homogenous. They're not. They're not. There are definitely pockets and groups of black people that have way more privilege than other groups and pockets of black people. I say this as someone who's educated. I say this as someone who is in the third year of a PhD program, getting ready to start her dissertation. I say this as someone who is dark-skinned, but I also understand that I do have other privileges over other types of Black people, other Black people that look differently for me, that look, you know, roughly similar to me, so on and so forth. But we, our experiences are not homogenous. And so when we address that fact and we understand that, we can really begin to like dive into why it's important to discuss colorism from a systemic lens um i also just generally speaking i really want to spend some time talking about the danger in taking colorism and turning it into this clickbait topic because colorism is systemic it deserves a real thorough conversation it cannot be reduced to people's feelings it cannot be reduced to who do black men like more, who's more desirable to black men, uh, it cannot be reduced to, the, to that type of trivial nature. It just can't. Because what we're talking about, are we, we're talking about an entire, entire pockets of black people, and in particular black women, being pushed aside um, and being denied better salaries, being denied opportunities to have a platform, being denied uh, representation and visibility within the mainstream media, within our society. Um it isn't just, you know, how you feel. These are concrete, this is concrete evidence in the ways that dark-skinned black women are pushed aside and are kept out of, you know, kept out of, like, these spaces and places where they just absolutely deserve to be seen to be heard. Uh, you know, I, when I talk about colorism, I have gotten to a point as a dark-skinned black woman where I do not feel the need to make these conversations palatable for anybody. Um, I'm not going to spare people's feelings I'm not I'm just gonna you know I'm gonna tell the truth like I'm going to tell the truth about the way that colorism functions the way that it keeps people who look like me specifically out of opportunities and away from places where they can have the visibility that they really deserve um if you are a lighter skinned black person and you do not subscribe to colorism and colorist thoughts and what I also want to say is, I want to say this, is that people, it is not, your your experiences being, if you are lighter skin your experiences being bullied because of your light skin are not to be tossed aside or disregarded. But I think there is a huge difference in you being bullied for being light skinned and the systemic oppression that darker skinned people face because they are dark skinned and the systemic ways in which they are denied opportunities and um, resources and ability to and the ability to socially mobilize upward because of their skin there's a real difference there is a difference one is very 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 important the other one is important as well but also i want you to understand there's a difference and i i just even the language sometimes i feel like i sometimes don't even have and i'm further developing the language to talk about these things but it's not the same thing. You, you know, getting called an Oreo or getting called, you know, whatever. It's not the same thing as systemic oppression. Like, it's like white people, oh, you know, y'all said the English. Somebody called me a cracker. It's not the same thing, bro. It's just not like, let's be for real here. Let's be serious. Be very serious about this. Um. I want people to really understand that. And I want people to understand that. And I think if, if people understand that colorism is systemic, then people will stop. Well, hopefully, shit, because people, people understand, I feel like more people understand that racism is systemic and you still have people who trivialize racist um, events and, and events of racism that have taken place and try to trivialize it and make it into like, oh, you, just, you know, just that. You pulled the race car. I. It's really frustrating to me because my thing. I don't really feel like, in talking about colorism or racism, we can fully make, the strides that we need to make unless people are willing to understand that these issues are systemic. They are not your feelings and how you fucking feel. It's way, 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 way bigger than that. All right. What else do I want to talk about today? So. Um this was also brought up. Um people and I didn't I talked about this briefly earlier, but um I also just generally am tired of people using blackness as a way to be seen as popular or as a way to like increase their brand because let's be honest uh if we talk about like blackness as um cultural currency is very very valuable it is very valuable um black people are the cool we're always seen as the cool we're the you know the trendsetters and um even though you know a, a lot of our culture is appropriated we don't ever see profits from this type of stuff most of like pop culture is black pop culture is black af um it has blackness all up and through it are these black people who are generating these ideas being properly compensated probably not absolutely not let's just say absolutely not because i know i know that's i know that's the case um and i think that we need to have continue to really talk about cultural appropriation first and foremost because that's very very important to talk about how that happens how it continues to happen how it is you know evolving in different ways because I remember when TikTok sprouted up one of the first things that people really started to like point out was how all the biggest TikTokers that were going viral were white how TikTok um, hasn't really made efforts to support black voices this was especially this past year especially in the midst of everything that happened um, this past summer with the lynching of George Floyd and people just really kind of like being like you know We need to really uplift black voices and support black creators and intellectuals. And one of the things that people said about TikTok is that they weren't doing that. And I think um, as we continue to have those conversations about the ways in which blackness is used to prop up people's brands and to prop up the shit that they're doing, we really need to talk about that. And we really need to talk about and police the people who are using blackness for their benefit, but don't actually give a fuck about black people and don't actually do anything for black people um one of the criticisms about danny lay is that she is dominican she is a light-skinned white latina who is calling herself a yellow bone first of all I must that's problematic as fuck like no that's not your term to use that's not even yeah like that's definitely like an african-american term that is, you know comes out of the south comes out of black southern culture um and so her saying that and then you know it being seen as like this this like distorts the baby's darker skin uh the mother of his children I think she has two of his kids Mimi I think that's her name and um my thing is this is like you cannot being black is there's this famous meme that's been floating around for the past couple of years like being black is like cool as fuck but it's dangerous it's kind of dangerous but it's like super lit being black and it definitely is and it definitely is it can definitely be dangerous but i really believe in the importance of calling out celebrities who are using blackness to be cool using blackness and monetizing it for their own personal gain but when it comes down to it they don't care about black people like my thing about danny lay is like like girl girl i just like am so lost like she's younger granted and i feel like i also have noticed a shift in the way that people who are younger than me the like i'm a millennial comfortably so in within the, the the time frame I was born within the years that classified me to be a millennial but I see a lot of the Gen Zers, a lot of them there's 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 some there's some ones that are really they really get colorism and they understand it and they get it and that's the thing is like I've always really just got it because I've experienced it and I know what it feels like so I definitely get it I can see it everywhere right and there are people in gen Z who definitely get it and then there are people who don't and there are people who are trying to take this conversation and turn it into oh like why are you always breaking up colorism like you're just you're, you're insecure you're this you're that i'm like no 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 these are real systemic varying levels of oppression that dark-skinned people and in particular dark-skinned women are actually facing like this shit is not like this isn't these aren't just our feelings like yes we have feelings about the systemic oppression that we're facing but this is systemic oppression let's be very clear about that um but i i'm i'm proud of those younger ones who really get it and who are perpetuating these really important conversations and talking about this shit and who are calling out people like danny Lay who are saying weird shit like and trying to put out something like i'm like girl like well, you was really gonna release this song you was really going to release this shit? I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, ah. Oh. But I also think she released it as an Instagram click to gauge public response. And it was obviously very negative. She like ended up deactivating some of her social media accounts because of this shit. And I'm like, girl, like you could have avoided all that. Like some shit just don't need to be said. Like, But I also like really enjoy these moments when people expose themselves because then I know not to support them and not to take them seriously. Because I am raising a dark skinned little girl and I refuse to let her grow up in a world thinking that shit like this is okay. I'm going to always speak up about stuff like this. I'm going to always be very vocal about stuff like this because it's not okay. Period. Like, period. Um, but continue, like, all of us should be really dedicated to continuing calling out people who are do not really have the best interests of Black people at heart. I also want to say this. Um, she's in a relationship. She's like, you know, I'm in a relationship with a dark chocolate man. You know, I'm like, that's all good. That's good and great, sis. But uh black men have not necessarily proven themselves to be dedicated allies to black women especially to dark-skinned black women because i will i will say this with my chest a lot of the colorism i experienced growing up was from black men it was from black men it was also from black girls and lighter-skinned girls girls that were lighter than me uh girls that were the same shade as me a lot of the, a lot of colorism came from girls the same shade as me which i think further perpetuates and speaks to the self-hate that's embedded into colorism But, um, you being with a black man, you being with a black spouse does not make you anti-racist and it does not make you anti-colorist, okay? It doesn't. And it's important to be both. Um, not just like, oh, I don't like racism, I don't like, it's important to be anti-racist and to be anti-colorist. Um, and I, I think that people get with, you know, their black partner and think that they can say certain shit. And like, you know, I don't know what the baby's thoughts on this whole shit are, like what he condones in their private life and within their relationship, but, um, I would hope anybody that has black children, in particular black girls, would be really invested in protecting them, protecting their blackness and protecting their right to live in a world and be black and to be black and to be proud and to be black and to be beautiful and to be black and to be brilliant, you know? And, uh... I'm just, like, I wonder, like, I wonder what their conversations are surrounding this shit. And, like, even, like, when people, they come out, they say this shit, and they come and make these apologies. And my thing about this is, like, when you say shit like this, and when you vehemently defend your right to say shit like this, and then you come back two or three three days later with this, you know, apology that your PR team has helped you draft up and all this other bullshit, I never felt that shit is genuine. I just don't because some things you don't say unless you really deeply feel that way. Like when people say virulently racist stuff that come and try to apologize. I'm like, you know what? You may have had some really important conversations between now when you said what you said and, and defended what you said. And when you came to the public and tried to apologize now. But I'm like that type of stuff like those feelings to me. They're deep within you they are deep within you and you don't say stuff like that unless you don't unless you you know you really mean it and I'm always like even like the shit with Sabrina Claudio a couple years ago I'm like sis like granted you were you know this was a couple years ago this isn't like super super recent but this is not okay this is not okay again and again you have a woman who makes who's you know her whole entire musical career is indebted to r&b a black genre of music she frequently collaborates with black artists in particular black men and my thing is this you know we as collectively as a community we have to be dedicated to calling out the bullshit when we see it and calling it out as soon as it comes to us because if not we let it fester we let people think it's okay and then people like Danny daniela come along and make songs like yellow bone is what he wants um and just as as an as an aside light-skinned keisha please change your fucking name and mulatto too like i honestly like mulatto i don't like light Skin keisha and i'm just i really don't understand the whole premise of her fucking names so and you see if you see this girl i'm like honey you brown you are brown um and mulatto she's even spoken about how she feels like she should probably change her name because she's tired of like the colorist accusations i've never gotten from mulatto that she even feels in any way and she said some really important that she said some some stuff that i can respect as far as like her name and as far as like, why she chose that specific name and how it wasn't meant to highlight her whiteness and erase her blackness but how it was meant to highlight the fact that you know she when her mom got pregnant with her her mom had family members who were telling her to abort the baby because the baby was half black and uh, i don't know i like mulatto but i I do think changing her name is probably the right direction to go into and i hope that she can make that happen without it you know seriously affecting her brand in any way that takes away from her bag or takes away from her opportunities i don't think it would i think she's gotten big enough now to where she changed her name right now would be the perfect time to do it but we shall see. Um, uh, oof. wow. Yeah, y'all, colorism is not clickbait. Um, it's too serious to be treated that way. And when we're talking about the systemic oppression of dark-skinned people, and in particular, dark-skinned Black women being denied opportunities and denied, you know, social capital, economic capital, um, and the ability to exist equally in the world, it's not clickbait. And I will stand on that hill and die on that hill, it's not clickbait, it's not something for you to, it's not a controversial topic for you to bring up in your little discussion, uh, your little group chats and your little clubhouse rooms and shit. And is colorism, like, is it exist? The, no, it, it, it exists, sis, it absolutely does. And it's very, very fucking harmful. And you need to treat it as such it's not a conversation. I don't think colorism honestly is a conversation that everyone should even be engaging in. I feel like it's a conversation. When I say everyone, I feel like if you don't really know what it is or you don't have like really significant things to say about the conversation and how to fix it, you should probably shy away from that conversation. It's bigger than people's feelings. It is systemic and we're gonna just stop there and I'm going to wrap it up here and let you guys listen in and um i am actually about to record another podcast immediately after this about uh michelle alexander's the new jim crow and discuss the prison industrial complex and just as a fun fact people who are black people who are darker skinned receive harsher and longer sentences than their lighter skinned counterparts but y'all want to say colorism isn't real all right catch y'all on the flip take care